0: Following is a presentation of Refuge Calvary Chapel Huntington Beach with Pastor Bill Welsh. For more information about our ministry, please visit refugefamily.com. We are starting, as you know, the, the Book of Acts this morning. And this is gonna take a while. It will probably take all of 2023. As we're not we're not trying to rush through this. We're trying to get into this and get this into us. What God did then, he wants to continue to do a new thing among us. That leads me to the title that uh, I've given our study in the book of Acts. Now, you know this, the screen that we showed you last week on study through Acts, and, and uh, I just wanted to put a little bit of a different name, or maybe, I don't know which is the subtitle and which is the title, but we're going to look at, at the book of Acts this way. As a book that talks to us about what it means to have faith that moves, faith in action. Faith is not meant to be a static thing, but something that moves us forward. And that's what the, the Jesus Church is all about, isn't it? You know, we don't, we don't just sit down and, and quietly study our Bibles together. It's not just about singing great songs together when we gather. The Christian life is a life of action. It is faith on the move. We're going somewhere in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going somewhere for his glory. And we're going to talk about what we're going to do with the days that are ahead of us. So faith in action. And I'm excited at this point in our life together with Jesus to imagine what our future means. And I mean what our future means for you and your involvement. We're not just talking about adding people to staff as that becomes a necessity, but what will you do as a part of this family, this congregation that is on the move in our community and around the world? What will it mean to you? What is my assignment in the years that are ahead? And it's likely to change. It's likely to morph a little bit. And what's your assignment? And And where will you serve? And who will you serve? And how many more nations and people groups will God lead us to? It was was at the core of the vision when God planted us here. If he wasn't calling me back to the mission field, he was calling me here to send you there. What if I get to the point, what if Joy and I get to the point in our life where he says, okay, now it's your turn to go. And he sends us somewhere for, for a time. I want to be ready to do whatever he's calling me to do, I know you want the same thing, but how many more nations and people groups will he lead us to? How many more current missionaries will we get to partner with that need support and need sustenance where they find themselves? How many more churches will be planted through Refuge Calvary Chapel of Huntington Beach where there's a need, not where there's 12 churches stacked up on top of each other already, but places around the world where there isn't a viable witness in a community or a town or a little village or a countryside. How many more will we plant and how many more evangelists and, and will will we will we be thrusting out on, onto the streets and into the parks and into the schools and into the jails and the prisons where broken lives need hope? And I pray and I hope that we're just getting started. And although this this little two word phrase has become, you know, kind of a, a hip little thing to say, I don't mean it in a hip way. I mean it literally. Um, let's go. Let's go. Let's go where God's pointing us to go. And, and even if we take our first steps on, on trembling legs, let's go. It's no, time to, it's no time to back up. It's time to go all in and go. And I hope and I pray that our journey through Acts is going to have that effect on all of us, starting with me. So my assignment today is very simple, and I think I'm going to... Jeff, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hit the target that I was aiming at, but we'll see. I'm not even going to tell you the target. but. Uh, <laughs> But I had a moment where I was strutting through the office, and I think, I can do this in this many minutes. And I'm not going to tell you how many hours that was. I mean, how many minutes that was. But I'm going to give a brief intro to the book. I'm going to cover a few verses, key verses, and then we're going to end in a brief little prayer meeting. That sound all right with you? All right. Would you stand with me? And we're going to read from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 down through verse 8. i got to look at you guys before I read this. This isn't in my notes, but it's in my heart. I love you guys. I love this fellowship. I love this family. I love Jeff. I love that Jeff and I get to, to do this together for a season until my season is somewhere else. But I love, I, I love this family. And I, I just can't wait to see what God lets us do for him. Amen. Let's read verse 1. It says, "The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented him himself alive after his suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together." With them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. The same Lord that said, Go everywhere and tell everyone. He says, Don't leave Jerusalem. You'll see what that means. Don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time Restore the kingdom to Israel. And he said to them, that's none of your business. That's basically what he said. He said, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now read verse eight out loud with me. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Father, here are we (laughs) in respect to Jerusalem. Here we are at the ends of the earth to be witnesses for you here and maybe even back around the earth to the Middle East where there's such a need for more witnesses for you. And so, Father, open our eyes to your truth. Open our hearts to your truth, Lord, and take us where you want us to be. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. I like in verse 1 how... How Luke just basically says, do you remember my first book? Oh, Theophilus, do you remember the first book that I wrote? And we know what book he's talking about. But he brings up not his name, but he says, I do remember Theophilus, that first book that I wrote. So I want to talk to you for just a minute about the author that we know very little about and Theophilus that we know even less about who this person was. But they obviously knew each other, the author and the receiver, We know so little about them. Now, Luke is mentioned three times in the New Testament, and it's it's not much of a revelation on him at all. All we know is that he was certainly connected with Paul. And so when Paul writes to Timothy, he tells Timothy, hey, Luke is with me. A lot of other people left me, but hey, Luke is still here with me. So you know that he was faithful there. In Colossians and Philemon, the only thing, the only insight you get about about Luke's involvement with uh, with Paul at that time is that he's with him, and while Paul gets to the end of his letter, he's writing the end of Philemon, the end of Colossians that are about to be carried off by this this mailman. He just says, "Oh, oh, oh!" and and uh, and and Luke is saying hi to you. That's it. Hey, have you say hi for me? Do you ever said that to somebody when they're saying, "Hey, I'm going to go back to the old town." Hey, say hi to my friends. And so Luke just pipes up and says, Oh, say hi to those people for me. And say hi to Philemon for me. That's all you have of Luke. Now and you, you have in, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 14, you get this little tiny bit, important bit, of information about, about Luke, where, where Paul says, again, as he's kind of getting to the point where he's wrapping up, he said, and oh, I've got Luke, the beloved physician here with me. So you learn two things. Paul loves his brother. And he's a doctor who's probably been helping Paul with some of his, as he would say, many ailments that's going on. But there's little disagreement that the author of this book is that one self-same Luke that we read about, just even in those tiny, tiny little mentions. He's the author of this book called Both This and the Gospel of Luke. And it seems that Paul might have commissioned Luke, maybe Luke, to write both the Gospel and the Book of Acts. Remember last week as we were talking about Paul in prison and he says, well, Luke is with me and Mark is with me. Well, that's half of the gospel writers in the New Testament. So he's collecting gospel writers in his prison cell. And I wonder if it isn't the case that Paul, as he's in the cell one day, he realizes, you know, I, I might die before Jesus returns, although he could return at any time. He says, oh, I, so I think you two guys, Mark, you've been around a long time. You rubbed shoulders with the apostles. He wasn't an apostle. He said, but you've rubbed shoulders with the apostles. And, and Luke, you're, you're, you're a brilliant guy. You're a doctor. You're a great writer. You two guys should write the story of Jesus down. And you should, you should make sure that if we die before Jesus returns, that this story gets circulated. And I mentioned it, I think, last week or maybe it was Wednesday night that by uh, different estimates, there's between five and seven billion copies of the Bible in the world today. Because men like this, and some women writers as well, they sat down and they wrote what they knew about God and about Christ. And I'm so thankful that they did that. So maybe, maybe Paul is the one that commissioned Luke to get busy and write both the Gospel of Luke and this book, the book of Acts, too. We don't know if he was Greek We don't know if he was Jewish by birth, but Hellenistic or Greek by culture. We don't know much about him at all. We don't know if he was free or slave. Maybe he was owned by a benevolent master that had been led to Christ by Paul. And this master said, you can go ahead and you can travel with him. I'll release you to go travel. We don't know any of that. Some people surmise on that. And there's all different kinds of possibilities on on who Luke was and the backstory. But where did did Luke meet Paul? We don't know for sure. But we do know, apparently, when he shows up in the story that we're going to read. Now, as you go through the book of Acts, you're going to hear, for the first half of it, it's they, 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 they. Somebody who's on the side, is telling the story from that perspective. They went here, and then they went there, and Peter, and Paul, and John, and James, and all that. But when you get to 16, it's the first place where the pronouns change, and they'll come in and out. You move from they to us, and from them to me, and I. So follow along with me. In verse six, uh, chapter 16, verse 8, it says, So they passed by Mysia, And went down to Troas. Now, this is where Paul is trying to get God to cooperate with him and give him an assignment in Turkey. And God says, no, you're done in Turkey. Just keep moving. You don't get to go north or south. Just keep moving. And so he goes all the way to the the northwest of Turkey. And it says, during the night in Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he's moving towards Greece. He had an unmistakable vision in the night, which is a dream. And the man said, come over here and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, read with me now, we got ready. So Luke steps into the team right there. I think he'd already been on the team, but it was time to move. And he says, we got ready, keep reading, at once to leave from Macedonia and concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So he's a man who has been walking with Christ for some time, and he's ready to be a gospel preacher on one of Paul's teams as they move around the world. That's the place where he seems to be on board now, and he'll come back in and out in the language. It'll be them for a while, and then it'll be us again as he comes back. Okay, that's all we know about Luke for sure. But that's Luke. What about this other guy, Theophilus? Just say the word with me. Theophilus. How many of you know one or two or ten Theophiluses? Do you have any Theophilus friends? They're, they're, they are around. There's, there's not a bunch of them. You know where they got their name? Right here. From the Bible. So we don't know who this guy was. And again, there's many, many guesses. Some say he was a Roman military guy who'd come to Christ. That's possible. We know that there were centurions who came to Christ. Some say he was just a wealthy supporter of Paul and a, and a, a, you know, a guy that wanted to fund the writing of the Gospels. I mean, a close friend of this group. We don't know that for sure. I want you to see in, in Luke's Gospel, 1 through 3. Look at this. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of these things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. He's explaining to the person he's written the gospel of Luke to. So he says, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, though he probably wasn't there, he's talked to those who were. He says, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, which would be a good way to address a centurion, if he was a centurion, oh most excellent Theophilus, these were powerful people, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. so who was theophilus we don 't know was he this roman centurion was he who, was he some, some upstanding, very wealthy citizen, was he the owner of uh, uh, of, of Luke who said I release you to go do this I, we don't know for sure we, we can't be absolutely sure on any of these but I'll tell you what my favorite, my favorite possibility in this it, it, it's all about the name Theophilus does anybody know what the name Theophilus means? L- lover of God a love by or lover of God but there's a God and a love and so well, if, if you would give your child the name Theophilus your hope is that they would be a lover of God or they would know that they were loved by God. It's a powerful name. And so I wonder if, uh, if what Paul is doing in the book of Acts as well as in the book of Luke is just writing to you and saying, this is your book. Are there, by the way, are there any Theophiluses in the crowd? There's no lovers of God in the crowd? Are there any, are there any love, let me put it this way, any lovers of God in the crowd? Yeah, that, you get me here. If you're a lover of God, maybe, maybe, maybe Luke is saying, this is your book, all you lovers of God, all you that are beloved of God, and that's everyone. God so loved the whole wide world. He said, this book is for you. Either way you look at it, this is your book. But this is part two of Luke's writing. It's a sequel to Luke, the, the, the first book in the series. Luke, Luke. One, I don't know why, when I think of Luke, Star Wars always comes to mind. But... And talk about a series. And talk about a confused series. How many of you were just a little bit, what? Years later, after the first one came out, you realized that wasn't volume one, that was volume four? They started with volume four, then did five, and then six, and then they went back, and they did one, and two, and three. But it was a sequel, and you... How many of you are Star Wars lovers? There's a Greek word for you, too. I don't know what it is. But... <laughs> Then you never miss an episode. You got, and, and you can school anybody on what's happening. Where, but this is a two-part series. It's a powerful sequel. And part one was about Jesus, and part two is about what Jesus is still doing through people just like you and me. Acts of the Apostles is probably not an inspired title for this book, although there are apostles that show up, and they show up pretty dominantly. But it's not just about the apostles, because as you read through the book, you're going to see there's more than apostles that are on the move. But their faith in action. Yeah, there there are apostles, and there there's other disciples that never became apostles. Not all solid Christians become apostles. They're servants of God. There are other men and women, young people. There are deacons, just servants. That play very strong in the story here. And there are synagogue leaders. There's centurions. There's an Ethiopian eunuch. All kinds of people that just were on board with what Jesus was still doing. And though Jesus may have visually left them, he didn't stop working with them. And he didn't stop working with you. He's not done with you. He's, he's, I, I hope we're living in the days that we can say he's just getting started. You turn to Mark chapter 16. Would you do that with me? Mark 16. I want you to find this one in your own Bible. You're going to need to find your way back to this. It's not hard to find. It's the very, very last couple of sentences in the book of, uh, of Mark, that wonderful gospel. It's a quick one, man. It's so, it's so full of action. But it says in verse 19, after Jesus had given the, the mandate to go into the world, the great commandment, the great commission... He says, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, telling them, go everywhere, tell everyone, your sins can be forgiven. After he had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And not because he was tired, (laughs) because he was done in the days of his flesh here. And when they went out and preached everywhere, read this with me. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Read verse 20 again. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Jesus never stopped working with his disciples, even though he had physically departed from them. How many of you have ever thought, oh, I think, my, I think my, my zeal for Jesus would be so much more if I had walked with him and seen him. I live in, the in days, I live in the days where he's invisible. I know he's real. I know he's with me. How many of you believe he's with you every day? How many, how many of you really believe he hears everything you say and he sees everything you do? Do you really? No, 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 no. Do you really? When you're driving down the 405 and some knucklehead cuts you off and you realize, that dude cut me off last week, too. <laughs> do you say anything that you wouldn't say if Jesus was buckled into the seatbelt right beside you? <laughs> you ever do anything you wouldn't do if, you, if Jesus was walking down the road with you? He is with you. He is with me. Then why do I still say things that I shouldn't say? Why do I still look, oh, get a hold of me sometimes? He's with us. There's no question. He is with us, working with us Side by side, just like he was working with those disciples. Here's what you get. Jesus never left his disciples. He worked with them for the duration of their life, performing. He was performing the signs and the wonders, yes, through them, but it was his power in them. Jesus never just sent his, these, his disciples, these young boys and girls, out into, the, into this tough world on their own. And it was a tough world in those days. And some of them, by the way, were just beyond boy and girl age. Some of them were probably teenagers and early 20s. None of us knew anything when we were teenagers or early 20s. But they had the call and the power and the presence of Jesus right there with them. He didn't just send them, though. He led them. He led them. In volume one in the book of uh, of Luke, Jesus is there in person, only he's visible. Somebody says, where's Jesus? You say, well, he's over there. He just walked down to the shop to grab something, but he's there. And you could pinpoint him at one place at any particular time. That was in volume one of Jesus' story. In volume two, Jesus is still there, but he's incognito. You can't see him, and I can't see him, but he is there. In verses two and three that we read, Jesus showed himself to them, it says, for 40 days. After his resurrection, he would come and he would go. He'd materialize, and then he would go incognito again. And he'd show up over and over and then then slip away for a little while. But but it says for those 40 days, he gave them infallible proof that he was alive from the dead. Showing up over and over and over again. And one time Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, there were over 500 of us gathered together. If you filled this sanctuary up to overflowing, you'd have a little more than 500. Oh, and that many people, at one moment, they saw him and they lived to tell the story. And Paul, at the time he wrote it, he said, I can give you addresses. Not email addresses yet, but I can tell you where they live. Some of these are, are ready to tell you the story about seeing Jesus Christ alive from the dead. And many of them surviving, even right up to that particular point. Seen by over 500, multiple other appearances. You know what, you know what I like about, about half of the appearances with Jesus after his resurrection? There's food involved. I just, I don't know. I just like that. I like the fact that Jesus liked to eat with his disciples. And he's even eating with the resurrected body. That gives me hope for heaven. There's going to be great food in heaven, especially if Joy's cooking in heaven. It's going to be amazing food. And it's true. And I'm not just saying that to make points. But did you hear that, Joy, out there? <laughs> but verses four to nine that we just read as well, there's this one last appearance. And there's one final promise, too. Not that there's not more promises that he makes to to each one of us individually, but there was one more powerful promise, a promise of something more, more, more what? A different level of relationship with the Holy Spirit that would bring power, the, the kind of power you want in whatever God's called you to do in service to him, whether it's in what you say or what you do. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses for me. You see, he had already kept one of his most powerful, wonderful promises. It was the John 3.16 promise. You remember that promise? He said to to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. And he said, well, how is that possible? He said, you have to be born of the Spirit. He said, well, how is that possible? How can I be be born again? I'm an old man. How does that happen? And he gets down to this story. And this is what he's saying to Nicodemus. His whole story is with Nicodemus where he said, God so loved the world, Nicodemus. God so loved the world that he gave me. His only begotten son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. When did Jesus fulfill that promise? I believe you see the beginning of it when that group of, of disciples, apostles, are huddled together, and it tells us they're huddled together full of faith. No? It said they were huddled together for fear that the Jewish leaders were coming after them too. And Jesus walks into that fear chamber that night, the evening after his resurrection, and it says he breathed on them, and he said, now receive the Holy Spirit. Well, isn't that what he's saying here, but in a different way. I think what happened that night in that upper room is what happened to you, but whatever moment you said, Jesus, take what's left of my broken life, what happened to me on the evening of November 9th, what happened to you, whatever that date was, Jesus walks in, breathes on them, and says, now receive the Holy Spirit. What did that accomplish? It gave them new life. The resurrection life happened to them at that particular moment, and they were born again. It's what he'd been waiting to do for them, to give them that life. And so now, 40 days later, Jesus said, there's more. There's another dimension of relationship and involvement with the Holy Spirit that will give you not more life in that sense, but give you more power than you've ever known. Give you power to serve me. He said, that that promise is the next promise to be kept for you. He gave them power before, when they would go out on, on little short-term missions, and he said, you're gonna have power over demons, you're gonna have power over sicknesses, and go out and do what I've done, and then come back, and he would fill them again. He'd give them power and authority again. That, but, but they would need it again. They would need that authorizing again. At this point, he said, it's going to be with you. This is going to be a resident power to serve me until you see me face to face. I used to love ending my letters like that back in the probably the 70s and the 80s. Let's serve Jesus till we see him face to face. And he said, I'll give you all the power that you need to serve me until you see me face to face. But he said, you're going to have to wait for it how long, Lord? How long? And I I, I love the conversation where he says, you're going to have power. And he's, oh, Jesus, are you going to bring the kingdom now? Is this when it's going to happen? He said, that is none of your business. Don't worry about that. Don't don't try to timeline the prophetic. Just wait and serve me. He said, "And, and be filled with that power on that day. And then get out into the assignments that I will give you. And that goes for you and I as well. But he said, wait for it. Ten days is how long they would wait. Until that day. And we'll get to that when we get into chapter 10. But I want to read with you in verses 9 through 14. We already did that. There we go. Chapter 1. Back in Acts chapter 1. Follow along with me, please. Verse 9 says, Now when he had spoken these things... These things, what? Go and wait in Jerusalem. While he spoke these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, can you just picture this? Can anybody picture this? Isn't this I've seen it. I've seen it You know, painted. I've seen it sketched. I've heard it described. It's just what a magnificent scene. While they looked steadfastly, they couldn't take their eyes off of him, they looked toward heaven. As he went up, behold. Two men stood by them in white apparel and who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. That is huge. He's going to come back the same way you saw him leave. Let me spend a second on this. What's happening here? Jesus made the promise, and as he's speaking, this is dramatic, he just begins to lift, I think slowly. He lifts off the ground, and he begins to rise, and he's going up, and and they're just all the apostles. Don't you picture them like this? Oh, this is kind of cool. I like this. I wonder, wonder what's happening next. Are you kidding me? They're standing there like you would be standing there speechless. And what is this? And they watch Jesus levitating, not levitating, but rising up into the sky. And they can't take their eyes off him. And the two guys come on. Who are the two guys? They got to be angels, right? How do they know all this stuff? Two guys in white apparel and they're looking up and, and, and they see the apostles. They just can't stop watching. And they say, guys, what are you watching? What are you looking at? Didn't he just tell you what to do? Get back into Jerusalem." And wait for this promise. He'll come back just like he left. Let me spend just a moment on that. The scripture makes it clear to us. It says that he will return with a cloud of what? Witnesses. What what are the witnesses? Whether the ones or the followers of Jesus Christ who have already gone before us. And if I live until Jesus comes again, I'm going to look up into the sky and I'm going to be drawn up with him. The Bible we, We call that the rapture the rising up, the catching away of his people before some trouble really hits this planet. But we're going we're to be caught up into the clouds with him. And I wonder if it wasn't a cloud that they saw that day. Because the scripture tells us that after Jesus rose from the dead, he went down and he took those who were captive, he took them into captivity with him. He says, come on, I'm setting you free from this place. And they went in hell. They were in a holding place until Jesus had paid for their sins. And he, I wonder if that's not what they saw, that cloud of witnesses who had died before Jesus came back, that were then waiting for him to come and release him from that place that is described in the Gospel of Luke as Abraham's bosom, a place of comfort. And they've taken them home. And wouldn't that be amazing if that's what they saw? Because that's what they're going to see when Jesus comes back for us. There's going to be a cloud of witnesses. Take that for what it's worth. I don't know. We'll see if uh, if God adjusts uh, my understanding of that. There'll be a lot of adjusting when we see Jesus face to face. But he said, just go wait. Go back to Jerusalem and wait for him. And then in verse 12, it says, and then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Anybody know how long a Sabbath day's journey is? How far it is? It's about from here to Golden West College. It's about three-quarters of a mile. That's it. It's not like a 10-day journey. They just came down off the, the Mount of Olives, walked back into the upper room, and they stayed there. It says in verse 13, and when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, and here's the list. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. You notice they're still in doubles? Except for the poor last guy. His double is gone. The other Judas is gone. It's like they were in the teams that Jesus had put them in when he sent them out two by two. And so there you go. You start with this incredible story of the church on the move. And what are they called to do before they move? (laughs) Wait. Be still. For 10 days. Just wait. And we'll we'll take that on next week. But they waited for 10 days. It was a 10-day prayer meeting. And there they are, just waiting faithfully until Jesus lets them know how, by the outpouring of his spirit upon them, that this is it. The day of Pentecost. You're going to see that powerful story when we get to that. But I want to close with just a couple of questions. And then we'll let you get on about your mission and your journey as it, as it takes place right out of those doors. Question is this, and it's been asked to me over the years in a lot of different ways, but it really comes down to this. Maybe you've, maybe you've wondered the same thing. What is Christianity supposed to look like? What is the authentic Christian life all about? What does Christianity look like? My answer is always kind of a two-part thing. Number one, I would say, you want to know what Christianity is supposed to look like? Read the Gospels. Read about Jesus. That's why I've been recommending this Gospel-centric New Testament reading plan at the beginning of the year. Get a good fix On the life of Jesus. Because Christianity, at its its most basic definition, Christianity is Christ on the move. Christianity is Christ. And since that's true, it should look like what we see in part one of Luke's story in the gospel. Jesus Jesus modeled life as it's supposed to be lived here on earth. Stopping for individuals. Speaking the truth. Showing compassion moved with, with mercy for people. That's what the Christian life is supposed to look like. And, 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 and then I hear it. Sometimes I hear it just almost in this exact same way. Well, I know. I, yeah, I know. I know. But, but I'm not Jesus. Who was Jesus? He was God in the flesh. And Pastor Bill, I'm not God in the flesh. And I want to say I'm, I'm really grateful that you understand that. That you are not God in the flesh and neither am I. So I I can't do all that stuff. He was God in the flesh. I I can't do those things. Okay, then we'll keep reading the gospel. But then read the book of Acts. Because those boys and girls were not God in the flesh either. And they didn't always get it right. But look at how God used them. So your next step after you read the first part of the biography of Jesus is read part two of the biography of Jesus here in the book of Acts. Those are just boys and girls, men and women, just like you and I. And my life as a follower of Jesus can and must look like that. A response, a daily response to Jesus. The Christian life is an invitation. You ready? You might want to write this down. The Christian life is an invitation to take part in an invasion. Invasion. An invasion of this planet. That's what Jesus did when He came. He invaded the darkness of planet Earth. Boy, it struck me this week. I I can't remember. I put it I put it up on, on uh, on social media. But it never, the thought had never struck me and, until this point that all the searching we've done through the universe, all the deep space exploration we've done with our scopes and our you know, spaceships that we've sent out there. We haven't even come close to finding something that looks anything as beautiful as this planet. And so the, the further you go deep into the universe, it just looks like God in his extravagance made this huge backdrop to all that he made and plopped one magnificent planet around a tiny little star in our corner of the universe. And we haven't seen anything else like that anywhere else. There was something that he wanted to do when he invaded this broken world. And he still wants to do that. Does anybody agree with me on that? He still wants to invade this world. How's he going to do that? Through you and through me. We're on the team now. We're on the field now. And I believe that's what Christianity is supposed to look like. It's not just about sitting and listening and taking notes in a Sunday service or a Wednesday night. And you got five different options on Wednesday night to sit down and take notes if you want to. It's not just about praying for food at lunch. Make sure, if you've identified yourself as a Christian, that you fold your hands and pray for, over your food at lunch if you're at a restaurant. Not, I mean, nothing wrong with that. But it's more than that. L- living as an invader of this earth, of this invitation to invasion, it's not even just about reading the scrolls of truth, Luke and Acts. Of course we read the word. But it's the call to the Christian life to step into action with what we know. When we close our Bibles up, like I asked you to do, we're done, you can close your Bible up, and you're thinking, okay, it's almost lunchtime. It's all, at least it's coffee time. Okay, we're about to, it's about to be done, and there's gonna be one more half of a song probably, and then, and then we're free to go, and, I, and I've done my, my, my church thing, I've done my Jesus thing. It's not just about that, the call to the Christian life is a call to put our faith into action, a call to make a move, to boldly and lovingly speak truth and to do something with Jesus. Does that, just, does that just elevate your idea at all about what the Christian life is all about outside of these walls? This is not the book of this is not the book of deep thoughts we're reading. It's the book of Acts that we're reading. There's something, there's some way to act. There's something to do in the context of our home and our friendship circles and all of that. So these young men and women that we're going to get to know are no different than you and me. They just took Jesus' command seriously, didn't they? They took him seriously. They seemed to believe that they could make a difference in the lives that they were going to touch. They believed that with all of their heart. They were aware that it could cost them everything, but they were filled with the Spirit. Very few of them were religious professionals. And the one that wasn't a religious professional had to relearn everything he knew. That was Paul the Apostle. But they all seemed to believe that there was something more important than anything else they might wrap their heart around, and that was to live for God. There was a moment last Monday night, first time all season long, I sat down to watch a full football game. And I got, what, almost six minutes of it. And then about an hour or so before they said, the game is is postponed. But there was something that happened that night that got the attention of hundreds of millions of people and they realized there's something more important than football, and that's life. Something more important than anything else, and that's life in Jesus. And I heard the story, you heard it too. It's one of the most powerful things I've heard, on on this story at least, is that when Damar Hamlin... Finally, he woke up and, and asked his doctor, his first thing he wanted to know is, who won the game? <laughs> Did you hear what the doctor told him? He said, you won the game. You won the game, young man. He found out that, that Damar is a, is a brother in Jesus. And I don't know what the rest of his life looks like, but I'll bet he found out that day there is something way more important than football. And that's the life that he gets to live for him. And that's true for you too. They all... Seemed to believe these, these men and women were going to study that there was something so much more important than anything else. And this is how Jesus gets his whole gospel to the whole world. It's how he does it. And he's not done. And he's not done with you. He's not done with me. This is how he gets it done. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He leads you out. He leads me out. And he works side by side with us. Wouldn't it have been a whole lot easier? if if Jesus had you know just said hey guys just just don't mess up anything that i've started and just be good and, and i'll take it from here and if he somehow just maybe he could launch the world's greatest app that's ever been launched and you know maybe he could call it grace book or something like that or whatever he would want to call it and just since everybody's online i can do this i can handle it i will get it right you know i, I Why did he he have to go back to heaven? Why didn't he just stay here and, and plant the world's only perfect church? Because there isn't any other perfect church. Why didn't he just stay and pastor that church and it would be what? A church of maybe, it would be bigger than the churches in Korea where there was over a million people in this one church, that Paul Youngie chose church. More than a million people. And of course, he'd have to, to launch about 100,000 satellite campuses, you know, around the, around the world where it'd just be his face up on a screen. Why didn't he do that? I'll tell you why he didn't do that. Because I got, I got to just say, I'm not sure that works with what Jesus told us to do. I'm not sure that works as well as what Jesus did in saying, now why don't you go everywhere and tell everyone you know what he's done for you. Tell everyone everywhere that their sins can be forgiven. And why don't you just go here and you go there and do that and love people in my name and serve people in my name and walk with them through their challenges. Why don't you just go do what you've watched me do? He didn't, he didn't start the big, the one huge megachurch because that wouldn't serve his purposes. He's, he's not about building superstars. He's building humble servants. He gathered that initial group of 11 seminary dropouts and he said, go tell everyone. That's what he did. And that worked and that still works. But first he said, wait for power. So I want to pray with you. As we wrap up and the team is going to come out, we're going to sing a little bit before we go, but I want to pray for you and with you as I hope you're at a place at this moment where God is touching a nerve in your heart and you're entertaining the possibility that God might have something for you to do for him along with attending a group of his people and getting stronger and deeper in fellowship and community with one another. Something significant in people that he wants you to touch. And maybe you're saying, Lord, I need that power to do that. And I want to pray with you over that. Because you, don't, you and I don't have to wait 10 days. The only waiting that has to happen is maybe, maybe we have to wait until we surrender. We say, Lord, my plans aside, your plans in front. I'm, I'm ready to run with that. Maybe we wait until we see it in all of its simplicity and we just ask. There's a, a passage, you can look this up later. In Luke 11, Jesus has just told the, uh, the disciples how to pray. He said, you ought to pray like this. Start by talking to your Father, our Father in heaven. Hallelujah." and all that. At the very end of it, he, he comes out of that beautiful prayer and says kind of a disturbing thing. He, he says, now if you being evil, oh, you just call me evil. Yeah, yeah, if you being evil, in other words, we're all sinners. If you who are a sinner, like everyone else around you, uh, look around you for a minute, just look at anybody. They're a sinner. Um, and and they're, they're probably sinners who have found the Savior. But Jesus said, if you're sinners and you know how to give good gifts to your children, like your, your, your son asked you for, for a, a bagel, you're, you're not going to throw a stone at him. If he asks you for a hot dog, so no, something healthier, keep asking. But if he asks you for some food, you're not gonna throw a lizard at you. And then what does it say? If you be evil know how to get is, Lord. Give us your mission for our life. And we will surrender to that, Lord. Lead us forward. Lead us forward. Walk with us, Lord. Holy Spirit, take control of our lives. Teach us and train us and disciple us. Oh, we want to serve you, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for hearing us. You say you'll give the Holy Spirit if we ask. We're asking Father, I pray for those right now that need to pray a, a, a primary prayer. Just, oh, Jesus, save me. Hear their prayer right now, Lord, as they ask you for forgiveness for their sin and they receive your life in exchange, Lord, for their sin. Give them new life right now, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If I, if I, in that... That, that last prayer, if I just described you, and, and you're, you're asking Jesus to, f- to fix your broken life, he heard that prayer, he responded to that prayer. If you said, Jesus, come in and take my life, I believe in you, I trust you, thank you for saving me, thank you for dying for me, he heard that prayer. And on the authority of his scripture, I say to you, welcome into the family of God. Please tell somebody around you that you said that, that you, you called on him. Let's go see what he has for us, amen. Communion is going to be served in the prayer room over there, and there's going to be a prayer team down here that would love to pray with you if you have some special needs. Otherwise, let's go invade. Let's go invade the world with his love, amen. Let's sing again. This has been a presentation of Refuge Calvary Chapel, Huntington Beach with Pastor Bill Welsh. For more information about our ministry, please visit refugefamily.com or call 714-891-9495.